You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday, last day of podcast this week, but it's fine because we've got a game day here as the Pelicans travel up to New York to take on the Knicks in what's maybe their most important preseason game to date so far. We're going to talk about why. I've said preseason's not really that important. You don't need to pay that much attention to it. But this is a game that we're really going to be looking at for one particular reason. We'll cover that and then catch up on some other news that's going on around the league, particularly out of Boston and a couple of other places. Dallas, too, has some news that's kind of interesting. So we'll dive into all of that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the Pelicans have their third preseason game tonight in New York at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. And this, as I said in the opening part, is probably the most important preseason game for the Pelicans. They finish the end of preseason next week with a pair of back, back, pair of back backs, a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday, including the one home game for this New Orleans Pelicans team uh, in the preseason. And... So because of that, we've seen you're only playing Anthony Davis a half in maybe each game, and maybe you won't even see him play in that second game, though that'd be maybe a bit disappointing for Pelicans fans. Um, So this third preseason game is rather important because you have rest before it and rest after it. And with guys only playing about a half, you need to kind of make the most of this to figure out your regular season rotations. You've had two weeks of training camp about at this point, maybe a little, a little bit less than that. It hasn't been a whole lot of time. And so at practice yesterday, Alvin Gentry said that they're likely going to get closer to a regular season rotation for this game, probably at least for the first half again, than they would otherwise. And this roster that you're going to see, the lineup combinations, the rotation the order in which players come off the bench, all of that is going to be closer to what we're going to see on opening night, which is good because they could go a number of different ways with this team. Do you start Mirtich or Randall? Do you put more in the starting small forward spot or does Solomon Hill play there? Um, And so they have a number of ways they could go with it. And Alvin Gentry has said, maybe it'll change on a night-to-night basis, but you have to figure he's got to kind of have a 1A at least starting lineup. And that's, I think, what we're going to see tonight. Now, the reason the Pelicans can do this in this preseason game and play their starting rotations, and maybe part of the reason we haven't seen it before, is Miritich and Darius Miller haven't played in preseason so far, with both of them being out with just varying injuries, and the Pelicans playing it overly safe. Which, given this team's injury luck in the past, yeah, is probably a very good thing. As of now, Miritich is listed as probable, and Miller isn't even on the injury report. So that's a great thing. Right now, though, we don't know if Julius Randle is going to play, so maybe that kind of throws it into doubt, or maybe they just planned on starting Miritich all along. And Miritich and Randle has started the past two games, but again, I don't know. And it's Alvin Gentry said, you know, at practice the other day, it might be sometimes where we alter the lineup, but at the end of the day, both those guys are going to play starters minutes, referring to Randall and Miritich. We've said this. You have three guys in the front court who are all going to get 36 minutes between, you know, close to that each. 
There's 96 minutes to go around there. You can play them, you know, 30 plus minutes each at that time. And ultimately, the guys want to be the ones who are closing. Some players do care about starting. I'm not going to say no with that. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. Do you want more shooting out on the court with Miritich there instead of Randall to space the court for Anthony Davis? And if you start Hill, do you maybe need to start Miritich as well to give more shooting on the court? Because then really your two shooters are Drew Holiday and Miritich. And that's it. You don't really get much shooting out of Randall, out of Hill, and Anthony Davis. You want at the rim most of the time. Or do you go with a different lineup of maybe more and Randall, and that way you at least have two shooters out there too. So it can create some issues. Or do you go more and Miritich and have as much shooting as you kind of can have on that court at the same time. I think that's going to be the big thing. But then if you start Randall and another guy, you can push the pace even more and get out and really run. We've seen Randall do that in preseason so far. It's been really good for him. He fits that mold of he can just grab a board and go just like Anthony Davis. So do you want to get out to flying starts and start Randall that way to help you do it? These aren't easy decisions. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, and maybe it just depends on the team that you're playing. If there's not a lot of shooting, maybe you start Randall. If there is a lot of shooting, maybe you need Miritich in there. But at the end of the day, all these guys are going to play. They're going to play together at times, which I you know think is going to be fun too, all three of them. And finally, maybe we'll get some clarification on this starting lineup. But no matter what it is, it's good that the Pelicans are in this situation where we can't really kind of discern what they want to do exactly because they're kind of deepish compared to where they've been in the past and they have lots of options there's a lot of versatility on this team and that's better than not so I think this is a good problem to have but I for one am really excited to see what lineup they're really going to be trotting out there on opening night so before we get to the news coming out of Boston in an interesting hire for the Dallas Mavericks look locked on NBA never went away this offseason and is still here for you every single day locked on NBA is your daily national NBA podcast every Monday get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with locked on NBA all week long with daily 30 minutes on everything going on around the association follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast locked on NBA. So the biggest news of the day is coming out of Boston here with Kyrie Irving saying he wants to re-sign with the Boston Celtics after this year. So we're going to let Locked On Celtics host John Corrales take it away for you. John Corrales here from the Locked On Celtics podcast where Kyrie Irving says he plans to re-sign with the Boston Celtics, telling a crowd at the TD Garden at a season ticket holder's preseason event that he intends to re-sign with the Boston Celtics. That would be a five-year deal worth about $188 million. So it's a lot of money, and he has said throughout the entire preseason, beyond the finances, that there's nothing here in Boston that he wouldn't want to be a part of. He loves the the teammates. He loves the direction. He loves even the new practice facility. They opened up a big, massive, modern practice facility. So everything from top to bottom has appealed to Kyrie Irving. And after he made the announcement, you started to see reports from Sham Sarania, from others, that he has already been speaking to the Celtics owners and has expressed his intent to stay long term now that seems to squash a lot of the rumors about him wanting to play with Jimmy Butler wherever Jimmy Butler ends up with him maybe wanting to play with Kevin Durant wherever Kevin Durant ends up and that often seems to be the Knicks but there are other teams that were on his 
Cleveland's trade list, and people pointed to the fact that Boston was not on that list, but he ended up getting traded there. He likes it, and he has been saying throughout this preseason since camp opened that he loves Boston, he wants to be here, and he said explicitly to the crowd he plans on re-signing. So that's it. He's going to take the money. He's going to take the security. He's going to be part of what should be a very good team from now on, and that's going to force some teams that had been targeting Kyrie Irving to make other plans. That's it. Listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast for more Kyrie Irving reaction. Of course, John hosts the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA with me every single week, despite being a terrible, terrible Celtics fan. This is an interesting story because there were weird rumors and news things and what have you, just like flirtations with Kyrie Irving and the New York Knicks. And it just never made any sense why he would really want to go there instead of staying in a winning organization where he can kind of be the lead guy on this team. You know, the reason he wanted out of the Celt- uh, out of the Cavs was largely, it seemed like, at least to me, that he wanted to run his own team to be the guy, to be a point guard when he wasn't really playing point guard a lot for the Cavaliers because you had LeBron James there. You can do all of that and more for the Boston Celtics in one of the bigger markets there in the league. So it always kind of surprised me that he wouldn't want to be there. But those are strong words. You know, I think as as Pelicans fans, we'd like to hear Anthony Davis come out that strongly and say that, not just saying he's not focused on, you know, other opportunities or he likes playing here. Just come out and say that strongly, though, you know, I, I don't know if he will or why he would in the first place, because there's just, you know, you have to think there's no reason to if he's just staying here and playing out his deal. So I don't know. Kind of interesting. But the stark contrast between a guy who was kind of having some open flirtations with another city, another team comes out very strongly in terms of staying where he is. Maybe one day we'll get that here in New Orleans from Anthony Davis. Other interesting news is there's a interesting hire in Dallas. Maybe interesting is not the right word. Maybe it's progressive. I think this is kind of one of those things where actually we'll need to wait and see. But the Dallas Mavericks are hiring former professional sports gambler Heralibos Vrugaris uh, to a position titled Director of Quantitative Research and Development. Um, Vrugaris is a smart dude. He's kind of a known gambler, though. I think he's retired from a lot of that and was investing a lot of his money in Bitcoin. If you follow him on Twitter, was quite uh, vocal about all of that. So I don't know how he's doing now from it, of course, or if he was kind of getting paid to do some of that stuff too, but that's neither here nor there. But one of the things was he made a lot of money betting on the NBA by deeply looking at coaching tendencies. There were a couple of coaches that he basically just bet on because he could kind of figure out what was going on, what they were doing, using analytics, using just a keen eye for basketball to figure out those coaching strategies when they would, when it would work and when it wouldn't work in games for him. And he made a lot of money doing that. So I think that's an interesting hire for Mark Cuban to use him kind of as, I don't know, just like a smart guy in the room in the front office, likely. So this is going to be a little bit interesting. Also, having a guy who's a professional gambler or former professional gambler when sports betting is starting to become legalized around the country, even though it's state by state right now, maybe that somehow plays into it that you need a guy like this to maybe talk to lawmakers, something else to kind of help you go forward and get it done in Texas or what have you. So it's an interesting hire. I don't know if it's great or not. At times I've disagreed with a lot of things that Volgaris has said on Twitter, personal stuff here, of course, but uh, or like my personal opinion 
on that. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but this is one of those things where you just kind of look at it and you're like, okay, I can see it working. It also has potential to not work. So we'll see what happens. This is one of those hires where years back, we're going to look at that and either it's going to be very brilliant or it's going to just be like, eh, okay, that didn't work out. So we'll see how it goes though, but certainly kind of on the cutting edge there if you're the Dallas Mavericks. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast to the week. If you're new, thank you for being here. And if you've been listening since the beginning or at any other point in time, I appreciate it as well. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we'll get a good look at the rotations for the New Orleans Pelicans because on Monday we are going to talk all about what we saw in this game and see what we can kind of discern from this team, what we can try and project and predict for the Pelicans this week coming season. So again, thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.